0: there internet i'm annie i'm kit and i'm mac and this is i will fight you a podcast where we've been turning opinion into stone cold facts since 1986 today's fact venom is an accidentally queer romantic comedy (laughs) boy folks 2018's venom is a film isn't it (laughs) it's sure a film it is a movie film for audiences (laughs) it's a film the audiences can watch they can choose that just like how i found out that there's no way to rent Venom right now anywhere. Annie was the good person. You illegally downloaded it.
1: I illegally downloaded it. Annie actually bought it. It's not
0: like a morality thing. It's just that I had seen Venom before and thought it was wild enough that I would probably, you know, watch it at least two more times to make up the money. And then I said, you know what? I'm just going to commit thoroughly. I'm going (laughs) to spend the extra dollar
1: and buy this in ultra high definition. (laughs) I'd seen it in theaters and I was like, well, Really, the only movies I rewatch are the same five of them, and I don't see this joining them. So I just illegally bought it, and then I immediately deleted it after watching it.
0: Well, good news. Now we have an obligation to watch Venom multiple times. <laughs> so guess what's happening when you're hanging out with me? <laughs> I own it on Blu-ray. <laughs> that makes sense. Speaking of buying this, I want you guys to know what I read as the little like description of Venom on Prime. Tom Hardy stars as the lethal protector and anti-hero Venom, one of Marvel's most (laughs) enigmatic and complex characters. Is he? I mean, cut to Tom Hardy sweaty, having a breakdown, shoving tater tots down his throat to appease the alien in his brain. (laughs) Most enigmatic and complex. Well, I would say this performance is rather complex. (laughs) <laughs> it is complicated. I can say that about it. It is a complicated performance. When I went to go see this in the theaters, hey kids, remember theaters?
1: I liked theaters, people.
0: When I went to go see this in the theaters, the first time I went to go see it, I was alone. And I walked out of the movie and went, I need to show this to everyone. So I went with <laughs> Alexi and two more friends. The two more friends were like, there's just no way we're watching this movie sober so they got high in the parking lot beforehand and then we watched this movie and we get out of the movie and Alexi was delighted and the other two friends were furious that we had subjected them to that
1: <laughs> <laughs> I went and saw it with a friend and whenever I go to the movies I always have to pee at some point so I just read what run pee tells me to do and I leave at that point point. and so I did and I came back and I whispered to my friend what happened and all he said was Finnem and Tom Hardy made out and I was like damn it I missed it
0: that is a pretty good part That was the part where Run-P told you to-
1: Yeah! Run-P told me not much happened then, so I decided to Run-P and and I came back and it turned out they made out and I was very sad. You couldn't have just left during one of the 10
0: minute long car chases?
1: You think? but no, Run-P assured me that that was something I needed to stand around for.
0: Run-P was wrong. Run-P was wrong.
1: Run-P was wrong on Venom.
0: No, there's a lot of things that you don't have to pay attention to in this movie. That's one of the (laughs) things you should. Yeah. Literally the main selling point for this movie for me was I read an interview where it says Tom Hardy and Venom make out. And I was like, I'm going to see this movie. <laughs> so Venom. So Venom, though. So this movie came out in 2018. Sony's been actively trying to make a Venom movie since Spider-Man 3 came out way back in 2007. Was the plan to have Topher Grace in that one? Because, uh... <laughs> yes, that was originally the plan. And then they were like, no, maybe not, though. Good. This particular iteration, they were originally going to try to make it part of, like, Sony's own cinematic universe with, like, the tiny little piece of Marvel that Sony still owned the rights to. But the problem is that Sony's Spider-Man is... He's, like, he's basically in a big custody battle with young, hot Sony Aunt May on one side and Disney's Marvel's Mr. Stark on the other. So... (laughs) So that probably wasn't going to happen. So it's just its own weird little entity. And, oh... By the way, I am sorry both to my fellow co-hosts and to our audience who expect a certain thing from us. And I'm sorry that by the time this episode comes out, this episode might actually be relevant because... What? Venom 2 Let There Be Carnage is supposed to come out this year. Oh no. Fuck! Fuck. <laughs> I am sorry. Our goal is
1: to never be relevant. We did our best, but we have let you down we recorded this one way in advance, which is part of the problem here. So we might have accidentally let you down. We're sorry.
0: <laughs> but yes, there is a Venom sequel coming out in 2021. Ostensibly. Time is also fake. So
1: time is fake and things keep getting pushed back because of we all know.
0: Is Woody Harrelson and his Ronald McDonald wig supposed to be in Let There Be Carnage? I don't know. I haven't looked up a goddamn thing about it.
1: God, I hope so. Oh, God, let there be carnage. Woody Harrelson, please be in it. I want you and your Ronald McDonald. Woody Harrelson! Oh, hell
0: yeah. Yeah! Did you guys know that Woody Harrelson's dad was a mob hitman? That's incredible.
1: No, but it sounds right, honestly. It sounds incredibly on point.
0: So the Wikipedia page for Venom 2018 is like incredibly detailed about all of the different attempts to make a Venom movie that they have done. And I just want to read this little section here. Okay. By 1997, David S. Goyer had written a script for a film featuring the Marvel Comics character Venom, which was to be produced by New Line Cinema. Dolph Lundgren was in talks to star in the film, which would feature the character Carnage as the main antagonist. 1997, New Line Cinema, Dolph Lundgren. (sighs) They've been trying to make a cool, edgy Venom movie for so long. (laughs) For 30 years. Honestly, like, Dolph Lundgren... uh, Physically fine. Yeah, that's Eddie Brock. Were they just going to, like, pretend he has an American accent like they did with Jean-Claude Van Damme in Street Fighter?
1: Almost for sure, absolutely.
0: Have you considered what if Jean-Claude Van Damme was Eddie Brock? <laughs> <laughs> he's extremely American.
1: Extremely American.
0: Actually, honestly, the best Eddie Brock I ever saw was in a fan film called Venom Truth in Journalism. It was Ryan Quantin, <laughs> also known as the F Boy from True Blood. And he's a f- boy in this one too, but he's a f- boy in the way that like it's a really compelling performance of eddie brock where you can see that this guy like really believes his own hype and is also a guy you do not want to be alone in a room with that sounds very intense it's really intense and pretty cool it's made in black and white because it's ostensibly a found footage film of this documentary film crew from like france who are filming this thing about eddie brock because at this point of course he has no currency left Is not allowed to work anywhere, so the only people who will have anything to do with him are this documentary crew from France, and then they get horribly murdered. That all sounds, like, compelling and everything, but instead... What if Eddie and Venom were in love? (laughs) Way better. What if Tom Hardy wandered around for two hours being extremely sweaty in the worst-looking hoodie? (laughs) (laughs) And saying deranged things. (laughs) Wow, Eddie. Speaking of the things that Eddie Brock says, there are three writers on this movie. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) One of them is Jared Pinkner. His IMDb credits include the screenplay for The Amazing Spider-Man 2. That's the second Andrew Garfield one. Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. That's the really good Jumanji reboot. A bunch of episodes of TV like Alias, and Lost, and Fringe. The other writer is Scott Rosenberg, who also worked on Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. He also did the screenplay for Kangaroo Jack. (laughs) I don't know if they mean like the original Kangaroo Jack or the one that released under massive reshoots because people really like the talking kangaroo. (laughs) Also, he did the screenplay for Con Air. (laughs) I love it. He's the solo credited writer for Con Air. Okay, sure. Now you mix all this together. And then you also add the person who, as I understand it, did like the final rewrites of the script, which is a woman named Kelly Marcel. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Marcel was the screenwriter on the first Fifty Shades of Grey movie. And now let's be clear the first Fifty Shades of Grey movie is. What's the good one? Well, it's not really the good one, but yeah. it's the competently made one. Yeah. It's the one where the people involved, the actual like creatives who were creating that movie actually tried to make it as good as they could given the source material
1: yeah before they were stopped by e.l james
0: right and then in the second and third movie e.l james kind of uh got really involved and e.l james is not a filmmaker by any stretch of the imagination nope she's barely a writer Yep. Mhm. Kelly Marcel by the way is, was also the one who was hired to do the screenplay for Venom 2, so I'm excited. But yeah, if I had to guess, I would say that Jeff Pinkner did the script that was the spin-off of The Amazing Spider-Man 2, and then Scott Rosenberg did the subsequent draft to divorce it from The Amazing Spider-Man 2 when they realized that that was going to be box office poison, and then Kelly Marcel was brought on last to make the deeply horned final version <laughs> of the screenplay that ended up getting shot
1: and ended up getting More fans than if it was just dark, gloomy.
0: I mean, let's be clear. This movie is like critically panned. It is a garbage reason. This is not a good movie. No.
1: But it still made money.
0: They have a lot of reasons to not like this movie and many of them are correct. This is not a good movie.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this is not a good film by any stretch of the imagination.
0: But it it has that particular kind of brain poison that just makes me say again though. (laughs) It's not good, but it is fascinating. Yes. It's like that bit from Knives Out. It makes no damn sense. (laughs) compels me, though. (laughs) Like, let's be clear. This is not going to quite be the same as our Dragonheart episode, which talked about how that's a love story between a man and a dragon. That movie was not horny. This one is extremely horny.
1: Extremely horny.
0: That movie was fairly pure and platonic. It was your medieval knight, chaste devotion type
1: situation here. Exchanging a single glove. This movie horn. <laughs> this is
0: about a pile of alien goo that wants to have sex with a man. One particular man. And it's a very sweaty <laughs> Tom Hardy. <laughs> I cannot overemphasize how sweaty Tom Hardy is throughout (laughs) this entire movie. He was also apparently allowed to ad-lib a lot on set too, which is how we get the scene in the restaurant. Oh boy. Oh boy. (laughs) But we'll get to the scene in the restaurant. We'll get there. We'll get to the restaurant. So we open on space. Space! We spend an inordinate amount of time in space. We have to watch an entire spaceship crash land. Like, we couldn't just cut straight to the crash. We need to see this magnificent CGI spaceship. We need to see Elon Musk's rocket crash. (laughs) Yep. We're gonna be saying that name a lot, folks. (laughs) This movie is entirely about Elon Musk's exploding rocket when it's not about the love story between a goo and a man.
1: Yeah. So,
0: we have a spaceship that is returning to Earth. Something goes wrong. We hear over the radio, they're like, What? Oh no! It's free or whatever. I don't really care. The spaceship crash lands. They have a whole bunch of tubes full of organisms. And they pull out one astronaut. who's still alive. But here's the thing. <laughs> this astronaut, they name him. They name this astronaut because it's important. They named this astronaut Jameson. Is this still supposed to be J. Jonah Jameson's son? Yes, that is the thing in the comics, folks. Oh my god. J. Jonah Jameson, you know, the Daily Bugle guy? The guy who wants pictures? Pictures of Spider-Man? His son is an astronaut. Isn't his son the guy who turned into a werewolf because he went to the moon? Yes. And then ended up being Captain America's, like, personal pilot? Yes, that did also happen. Okay. Huh. This is Jay Jonah Jameson Jr. That's right, four J's. He's an astronaut. He is canonically, like, always the guy who brings home the symbiotes from outer space. And so that means that if this has any kind of shared universe at any point in development with the Spider-Man movies, this is the J. Jonah Jameson that we see at the end of Spider-Man 2, the one with Zendaya, who is not Michi in this one. That's his son. Once we see him, his son is dead in a rocket accident. They pull out an astronaut who's still alive, but he's not. He's just a goopy tentacle guy. Wait, did they just... Did they just get J.K. Simmons to play Jan- Jonah Jameson again? Yes! I never yes. saw the new Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Did they, of yeah. all the characters, they never recast. They were like, you know what? J.K. Simmons got this. Yeah. He's nailed this. Yeah, no, he shows up It's in the end credit sequence because they know that the audience really wants to see J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. Like, it's the post-credit sequence or the epilogue or something, and, like, it's a Fox News thing now, the Daily Bugle is. So he shows up on, like, a big screen in Broadway or something. Times Square, probably. Thank you. He shows up on, like, a huge screen in Times Square or wherever the fuck, and it's J.K. Simmons, and he's bald now, but he still has the little Hitler mustache, I'm sad that he didn't have the hair. I think that's just a byproduct of being J.K. Simmons. Yeah. I know, but they couldn't put him in a wig that like perfectly replicated the original trilogy hair because that was good. You tell me they couldn't have done the thing like they did in friggin' WandaVision where they like digitally edited out the man's ears, but not only that, they rebuilt his face from scratch, then digitally edited out the ears, then put his face on the CGI face? It's Disney. They've got the money. They've got the money. Maybe Sony just didn't care enough. Anyway, J.K. Simmons is great. And his son is dead. His son is very dead. (laughs) His son is very dead.
1: The symbiote moves from the son to a badass EMT lady who I would watch a whole entire movie about.
0: Yeah, she seemed pretty cool for like the 30 seconds that she had her own mind. Yeah.
1: Yeah, she was like 30 seconds around. And even honestly, when Riot was inside of her, she was still pretty fucking cool.
0: Right. We are going to be following this symbiote that is hopping bodies. And just for the sake of brevity, this is a symbiote named Riot. Yeah. This is not Venom.
1: He is also not an amazing, fae-like dreamboat singer. Um,
0: Alas, no. This is not an 80s glam rocker.
1: No. This is not Venom, but for some reason,
0: as the symbiote takes over this paramedic lady and she starts walking away, we flash to the Venom title card, implying this is Venom, only to later find out that's not Venom inside the lady.
1: So, like, why? We also spend an inordinate amount of time just watching the symbiote Move from person to person. Just like shuffle, too. Just kind of shuffle, like it's forever moving forward, but there's no real point to that side plot. Like they could have done that like 500 ways and not wasted like 30 minutes, but we'll get there.
0: Yeah, they decide to start Riot in Malaysia, which is where the ship crashed. They decide to start Riot in Malaysia and have Riot eventually get to San Francisco where the rest of the movie happens.
1: There's nothing else that really happens with Riot in between here and now. It's just him shuffling from person to person and, like, casually killing people.
0: Yeah. Meanwhile, though, in San Francisco, we meet Eddie Brock, human disaster.
1: <laughs> and his girlfriend, Anne. And Anne, during her first entry scene, acts like she's. Oh, it's so weird. It's so weird. It's so weird.
0: We're going to keep calling her Anne. Brock keeps calling her Annie. We're going to call her Anne because otherwise it's going to be even weirder for Annie. Yeah, exactly.
1: Thank you. Well, her actress is an amazing actress and has acted a ton. In this first scene, she acts like she's on heavy strength uh, NyQuil. <laughs> and it's just in a daze the whole time.
0: Also, she's in a very bad wig. Oh, God, terrible that wig. wig. I don't want to like undersell how bad this wig is. I can't even begin. This wig is so bad this whole movie.
1: This wig is terrible. It is
0: so poorly designed, and I gotta say, like just in the first couple of seconds, I I just Eddie Brock in this movie radiates the bisexual disaster energy that I have been craving for the entirety of our roommates' playthrough over on Date Me, Damn It. <laughs> 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 this man is a train wreck. <laughs> He's a train wreck. Which is incredible because we discover that. First off, he has a much more talented girlfriend who made him coffee, who has an incredible cat, and she is also like an attorney, like a big, high-powered attorney. And she's dating this absolute disaster, engaged in this absolute disaster. Even though he has a very successful TV show, like he's an investigative reporter and he's got his own segment with his name on it, and yet somehow this man is still just such a disaster. He's a uh, Anderson <laughs> Cooper, but sweaty and bisexual. <laughs> <laughs> we do this thing here where we do several times which is that eddie brock we discover he's actually really good at talking to people and making friends and like he remembers things about people like he's actually fairly charismatic even though he walks around being a sweaty disaster all the time also pretty much the first thing we find out about him is that he is deeply horrid for when his fiance wears the suit for depositions (laughs) which mood yeah
1: the mood was actually deeply horned towards seeing someone in a suit. I get you, Eddie. Yeah. I feel you.
0: Eddie goes to the company where he works. The network it's unclear. It's unclear what this guy's relationship is to Eddie in terms of employment. He's Eddie's boss. That's really the most we know at this point. In fact, I think the subtitles say his name is Eddie's boss.
1: We miss an extremely confusing conversation that happens whenever Eddie pulls up to this building. Okay. uh, And he walks inside. On his motorcycle, by the way. He has a motorcycle. The security guard goes, Eddie, you can't park there. And Eddie goes, No such thing is can't. How'd she do? And the guy's like, Oh, MIT and Harvard. And Eddie's like, What did I say about can't? MIT! Woo! Why are both of these characters Texan now? And the guy's like, Eddie, your butt, all shucks. All shucks? I don't know what. All shucks.
0: Mackenzie, why are both of these characters Texan now? <laughs> why aren't they? Because they're in San Francisco, Mackenzie. <laughs>
1: can move to san francisco kit (laughs) neither of these no
0: (laughs) eddie brock knows the security guard and we have this conversation where we get the impression that they've been chatting about the security guard's daughter for a while like they're pals but also he can't park his motorcycle somewhere I'm not really clear. It doesn't really cut back to show me where the motorcycle's parked or anything, so.
1: It did. It cuts to, like, looking right outside the door, and he's basically parked it right outside the door on the sidewalk. Ah, okay.
0: It's a motorcycle. You can just move it. Like, you don't even have to, like, turn it on, really. Just wheel it out. So Eddie goes up to an office that is very high up, and it's got, like, floor to ceiling windows, and Eddie hates it. He's already starting to get sweaty. He hates heights. And he is in a meeting with his boss who's got like, okay, we have this whole thing about like Carlton Drake, the guy who is behind the rocket crash we saw at the beginning of the movie. He's very rich and he can buy the network or whatever Eddie works at. We want a good spin on the Drake Space Program and Eddie's like, but he sucks though.
1: <laughs> yeah, make Elon Musk sound good, please.
0: Please just suck up to Elon Musk for five seconds. please. And-
1: please, Eddie. And Eddie's like, Nah. Do do I
0: have to? Eddie very relatably is like, I am physically incapable of doing that.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: But they assign Eddie to the beat anyway, for some reason. (laughs) Why would they take their best investigative reporter and decide that he's going to do a fluff piece on Elon Musk? Like, what did they think was going to happen? Yeah, honestly, it's their
1: fault. Yeah, don't send your guy to Elon Musk, who is terrible, a terrible human, and be like, Just be nice to him, okay, honey? We know that you make these hard-hitting reports that gets under people's skin and, like, spreads the word about stuff. But just be nice to Elon Musk, hon, please.
0: Have you considered a softball question? And he's like, never in my life.
1: (laughs) Never. (laughs) Never once in my life.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we cut to date night with Anne and Eddie. We find out that Anne's firm works for Drake, who is, he's the Elon Musk. Yeah, he's Elon Musk. Yeah. We also find out that Eddie was run out of New York for reasons that probably aren't Spider-Man related, but I like to think they still are. (laughs) (laughs) I like to think that he got run out of New York for feuding with Spider-Man who in this is the version of Spider-Man that's like literally 15. (laughs) (laughs) This was an investigative reporter who tried to uncover the secrets of a teenager. (laughs) Nearly threw hands with a teenager. That sounds great. Honestly, I, I would like to see that prequel. Yeah. So they go home, they probably do a sex, Eddie gets up in the middle of the night, notices that Anne's laptop has an email on it related to the Drake company, and he's like, hmm, I should be a jerk. More importantly, there's a kitty cat. There is a kitty cat. His name is Mr. Belvedere. He hates Eddie. He is a perfect creature. I don't know what purpose the cat serves in the narrative. I'm gonna be honest with you. Honestly, look, I've seen movies with like sexy monsters in them. I'm used to the cat getting eaten. (laughs) Yep. The cat lives. We'll say that right now, guys. The cat lives. The cat's fine. I just don't understand why it's in this movie. Because
1: it's a cat and it's great. That's why it's in the movie.
0: Stage animals are expensive, though. Why would they put a cat in (laughs) that serves no narrative purpose in the movie? Like, they bring up the cat. Like, in the opening scene, she's like, okay, feed the cat. Then we cut to this scene, and there's the cat.
1: And then he later asks about the cat repeatedly. He's
0: like, how is the cat doing? When the cat is not on the screen, everyone should be asking, where's the cat? I don't know. Maybe this is just something Tom Hardy did. He just wanted to have a cat on set. And they were like, are you sure, Tom? And he's like, yes. Also, I have some notes about this restaurant scene. (laughs) Anyway, he opens up this email. There's like a clinical trial involving the Elon Musk facility. Some wrongful deaths. It sounds super sketchy. And he's like, yes, (laughs) I will do a fluff piece. Sure will. So we cut to the Life Foundation, which is a name that escapes my brain immediately in my notes. I will never call it this again. I keep calling it the wrong thing.
1: I don't think I refer to it anything in my notes other than like Elon Musk's thing.
0: Yeah, this is where we meet Elon Musk. Yeah, Riz Ahmed is much better at being charming than Elon Musk. He's leading this tour group full of little children. And we have like this... It's almost a fake establishing character moment of like this girl asking a question and the rest of the class shushing her. And then, you know, Elon goes on this really long rant about how we should never silence people who ask questions, despite the fact he spends the rest of the movie silencing people who ask questions. (laughs) (laughs) And gives her like a little pin that I bet he puts on one of those like before every tour group so he can put it on one of the kids.
1: Almost for sure.
0: sure. 100%. Yeah, he's definitely not projecting onto a child. Nope. Yep. And then Jenny Slate shows up. Jenny Slate is too good for this movie, but she's here anyway. Like, why Why her? Why here? I don't know. She just plays a scared doctor.
1: But here she is.
0: Dr. Skirth is her name. Dr. Dora Skirth.
1: Dora Skirth.
0: Which has to be, like, some comic thing I don't know about, because that name is way too weird and specific. No, she only shows up in this movie. Really? Yeah. Dora Skirth. Only in this movie. That's whack. Skirth is kind of a hard name to say. I mean, it's memorable, but you could do a lot of bad takes trying to get Skirth out of your mouth. Also, apparently Venom Earth is called Earth T R N 688 Now we know. Is that a thing? That sounds like a reference to something that I'm not getting. Oh, wait, wait. No, no, no. I'm sorry. You're saying that this specific Marvel reality has a name. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Anyway, Eddie Brock is here for his little walk and talk fluff piece about space. Yes, fluff piece. <laughs> and they end up walking through... I want to say that this is actually a very recognizable location. I just don't recognize what it is. I don't know. I mean, I guess if we're going for the sh- billionaires, it kind of reminds me of the look of the spheres over at Amazon. <laughs> Eddie like he doesn't even pretend like he goes with the fluff piece angle for exactly one sentence (laughs) yeah and then he starts digging in on the whole hey are you guys experimenting on homeless people (laughs) like here's the thing Carlton Drake is he's an Elon Musk but he's an Elon Musk that is actually like you know done some machiavellian contribution to society he definitely experimented on homeless people in order to increase the life expectancy of pancreatic cancer patients but he did also experiment on homeless people meanwhile elon musk has he made a car he put money into paypal and then he made a really shitty truck he didn't even make the car in- truck he just bought the company that made the car
1: yeah he just bought the company that made the car in the truck and then acted like he made the car in the truck
0: (laughs) and then part of the contract was that he was then supposed to be listed as a founder of the company despite the fact that he just he just bought the company and then he said that a man who rescued captured children was a pedophile because he didn't want to use his little submarine and now he wants to go to space his rockets
1: keep exploding. And also there's the whole thing he's doing with like uh, polluting the world for art or something. Uh-huh.
0: Because, you know, all his family wealth comes from an emerald mind from South Africa because of apartheid. Yeah. That's Elon Musk. <laughs> Elon Musk. Back to the fake Elon Musk, who is somehow not as bad as the real Elon Musk.
1: He's also more charming than the real Elon Musk. But also, listen to our podcast. You can always trust that we will tell you our real opinions. <laughs> 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 Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> Elon Musk. <laughs> Elon Musk. Honestly, the thing about
0: this conversation, like, this movie can't decide whether Eddie Brock is either A, unjustly victimized by a billionaire, or B, self-destructed in the most spectacular way due to his own character flaws. Like, the movie can't decide which one happened. Yeah. It tries to do both. Some versions of the script do try to set up, like, some kind of angle where, like, oh, both Eddie and Venom are parasites on other people. But it doesn't really do a lot to, like, establish this. He did snoop on his fiance's email. That's a shitty thing to do. But don't, I'm not really sure he's a parasite on society. No, this could potentially be a very nuanced situation where like he got this information through unethical means, but he exposed unethical practices in the process and was then silenced by the rich guy that, that basically owned this information and was most vulnerable to being taken down by it. But also the movie doesn't recognize that this is a nuanced situation. It by turns either plays this as Eddie's life was unjustly ruined by a billionaire or eddie completely self-destructed due to his own character flaws it can't walk that middle road so it just veers wildly between the two of them because the thing generally a parasite receives benefits from the organism it is you know attached to eddie does not receive any benefits from this eddie's life is ruined who ruins eddie's life is up for grabs at any given scene so Eddie goes through this conversation. He starts treading out the wrongful death allegations. He starts listing off the name of dead patients. Elon Musk at some point does say fake news, which is mm, 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 mm. Mm. top 2018. Mm-hmm. And Eddie is escorted off the premises. Yep. <laughs> and then immediately fired.
1: <laughs> and then Annie is fired because, uh, sorry, Anne is fired because it turns out that she was the leak that, you know, Eddie got because he broke into her emails. And so she breaks up with Eddie immediately. Because it's
0: like, Eddie's boss is like, okay, so what's your source? And he's like, oh, wait, um, my hunch, I can't say. And it's like, (laughs) maybe we could trace this back directly to the woman who lives in your home with you to whom you are engaged. (laughs) It's one degree of separation, Eddie Brock. (laughs) it's perfectly reasonable for like that this is some all the president's men type it is perfectly reasonable for a reporter to say i can't reveal my source it's confidential and then for the editor to say i understand but you're taking a risk here but that's not how this plays that's not how this plays at all eddie brock doesn't say my source is confidential eddie brock makes up some bullshit on the spot and then is fired immediately Yep. Uh, he's an incredibly talented, incredibly popular investigative journalist. And this is what he does with a source that he cannot reveal at this time. This is how he does it. How has he gotten this far in his career? We cut back to like another point in time. It's dark and rainy. The symbiote samples have arrived at the Life Foundation. Carlton Drake is horny for them. <laughs> Riz Ahmed has a little too much fun looking at these symbiotes and having his religious moment. But his religious moment is that he himself is God. <laughs> <laughs> this dude plays like Alex Luthor in like the point in time in which Lex Luthor was mostly hanging out in a big evil swamp lair with a bunch of other supervillains. We talk a lot about Tom Hardy's acting choices in this movie, but also Riz Ahmed made some acting choices in this movie. Riz Ahmed movie. decided to just chew as much scenery as he possibly could. Maybe also hump the scenery a little. Dude's a Shakespearean actor. He had fun. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, we'd make a quick cut over to Malaysia where Riot, while wearing the EMT's body, decides to just raw dog an eel. I don't think you, that raw dog is the word you want to use there. I think this movie's <laughs> extremely horny and I can say raw dog. Okay. <laughs> Bites the head off an eel and then murders everyone in this little Malaysian market. And then for no appreciable reason decides to jump hosts to this little old lady running one of the stalls. It seems like the current host was working just fine, but Riot decides, no, I'm going to jump over to this lady running the stall. And then we cut to six months later. (laughs) Which means that Riot is just in this lady walking to the nearest airport for six months. (laughs) 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 Yeah, we try not to worry about that part. So we cut to the lab. It's been six months. They're doing animal testing with the symbiotes to see if they can, you know, symbiotize (laughs) <laughs> There's a lot of expository dialogue here about how the symbionts can't survive in Earth's atmosphere, so they need to bond to a host. The important thing is this rabbit has little yellow feedies now. Anyway, they're going to start human trials now. Yeah. <laughs> the symbionts successfully got put into a rabbit, therefore they're going to start human trials.
1: Yeah, Skirth is like, a doctor, we're not ready for that. Elon Musk is like, eh, f*** it, money. <laughs>
0: I want to <laughs> I wanna go, I wanna go to space. I want to go space now. I want to go to space. want to go space. So put the goo inside people, please. Put the goo in the people. Let me go space. Meanwhile, we're going to cut to a pool hall to check in on Eddie Brock, the biggest human disaster. Oh, God, he's even sweatier. <laughs> and he's just kind of half collapsed over a bar. He has this offhand line that's supposed to reintroduce his character where he says to the bartender, you ever feel like your life is just one monumental screw up? And like, why is that information you're re-delivering at this point in the movie? We know you screwed up. We saw it happen. This is definitely a point where we're trying to see this character at his lowest possible point before he starts to make a turn for the better. Eh. Like that, narratively, that that would make sense. Does he make a turn for the better? No. No, but (laughs) hypothetically, that's like the narrative beat that this is. Instead, H.S. gets in a really codependent relationship with alien goo. He gets into a mild argument with a hipster. Like, it's not even that much of an argument. But it does contain the story beat that everyone loves, which is, Aren't you Eddie Brock? And he's like, I used to be. We also find out on the TV that the Life Foundation is going to launch another rocket. (laughs) Because the last one went so well. I feel like if you're Elon Musk and your rocket that's supposed to land safely instead explodes and kills a bunch of people, you don't get to launch another rocket. At least not for a while. And yet, here we are. How many rockets has he launched that have, like, immediately blown up?
1: To be fair, none of his have had people in it, I guess. But also, I can still see it because he's a billionaire. Yeah, he would not care. Government wouldn't care because he'd just be like, here's a billion dollars. And they'd be like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, some
0: of you may die, but that's a risk I'm willing to take. Yep. Anyway, Eddie's walking down the street in what is supposed to be a fairly sketchy part of San Francisco as per the story, but honestly looks fine. It looks fine. They just sort of scattered some trash on the ground before they shot it. And oh, hey, there's Eddie's homeless friend, Maria, who rules. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Maria rules. (laughs) Yeah, Maria's in this one scene. She's great. Eddie goes to like pull out one of the free newspapers, sees that they're all gone, looks over and Maria has the whole stack of them and is selling them for five bucks each. It's pretty good. I mean, he ends up giving her 20 bucks for one. Yeah. She says, how about you pay me $3 for a song and I'll throw a paper in for free? And he's like, how about I pay you $20 and you don't sing? <laughs> <laughs> I do like this part in the movie where you really get the feeling that this is just sort of a regular bit for the two of them. Yeah. yeah. He's just got friends. He just He's good at like making friends with people around his neighborhood. He's just like a decent dude. He's just also... A huge sweaty disaster. Oh yeah. It's distinctly odd because the screenplay, from a writing perspective, Eddie Brock's character trait is that he notices things, he notices people, and he connects with people. From an acting perspective, this is the most off-putting man on earth. <laughs> <laughs> There's just something about him. You look at him and you go, are you okay? I'm worried about you, but I also, I don't want to stick around enough long enough to find out. This dude is a vibe. <laughs> This dude has a vibe that he is constantly five seconds away from just, like, having a huge meltdown that he needs to be hospitalized for. Yeah. Yep. Which then happens. Right. So, you know, correct vibe. Tom Hardy is playing this correctly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Tom Hardy's got it down. (laughs) That is the acting choice he's made. I don't understand why he's made it, but that is the acting choice he's made. Every line delivery of his in this movie is like the most bizarre thing in the entire (laughs) world. Like, it's not specifically bad. It's just, it would never have been my first choice for how to deliver that line. So Tom Hardy heads into like a convenience store. It must be around the corner from his apartment. He knows the store owner. They have a little bicker about like, why aren't you meditating? She says he looks like shit. She is correct which fair he does look like shit at some point eddie is back in the aisles uh, and the store owner gets held up at gunpoint because it's a payment racket eddie hides waits till the guy leaves then comes up to check out with his purchase which is a sandwich and some pepto-bismol <laughs> yeah that's probably a guy with heartburn <laughs> <laughs> you just wonder if he's not gonna just chug this whole bottle tonight that might actually make me gag the thought of that (laughs) even worse what if it's cherry flavored no anyway the shop owner says something about how like life is brutal or something life is pain eddie which is a weird line yeah that doesn't really come up again that's not really a theme of this movie it's delivered in such a way that it sounds like it should be a theme of this movie but it isn't Maybe it was a the theme of this movie at some point, I don't know. The skirt's passed through too many hands between them now. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut back to Eddie Brock's apartment, which is extremely shitty. We also linger on a potted plant, which I thought would come back, it doesn't. Here's the thing about Eddie's apartment. For a San Francisco apartment, that's not bad. Also, it's large. Yeah. It is enormous. Like I know like apartments and movies have to be big because they have to put camera equipment in them. But this is a fairly large, nice old apartment. Like the kitchen is garbage. His whole furniture setup is bad. But he does have an enormous living room. And I don't think that's a studio. I think his bed somewhere else. Yeah, yeah he
1: has a bedroom. Also in San Fran, this would cost about 20k a month. <laughs> Which is really impressive because Eddie does not
0: have a job right now.
1: Nope. Yeah,
0: no. We actually see him calling up various papers and journalistic outlets being like, please hire me. I'll even write under a pseudonym. I can work freelance. Please just give me a job so I can make some money. And he is getting universally turned down because the implication is that he's been blackballed. Because, you know.
1: I will write fluff pieces. I promise, Eddie Brock, you've never written a fluff piece in your life.
0: Eddie Brock, you were asked to write one, one fluff piece. <laughs> and you You had to look Elon Musk in the eye and try not to tear out his throat for five seconds and you failed and you know what? That part's fair. But also you failed. But don't tell people you can write fluff pieces when you can't. You clearly cannot. (laughs) You demonstrably cannot. We also find out that the soundproofing in his apartment is non-existent, which it usually is in apartments, but this is also because his neighbor across the hall is absolutely shredding on an electric guitar. Which is really impressive because you just plug some headphones into the amp, man. Yeah. This guy is just committed to being an asshole. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we cut back to the Elon Musk place and we are starting human testing and Drake has a biblical allusion to impart to the audience. Well, he was imparting it to the test subject, who was clearly like, Elon Musk is trying to talk about Isaac and Abraham and the true sacrifice and, you know, what kind of God, etc., cetera, et cetera. We shall supplant God, et etc. et cetera. But he's saying this to a guy who is clearly, like, blitzed out of his mind and barely on this plane of existence. <laughs> At some point, he's like, God has abandoned us. He just says that line. And then he also follows it up with, this time, I will not abandon us. It's like, Okay. <laughs> Okay, bud. Okay. 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 We're just doing that. Okay. And so this is actually the first time that we see the symbiotes in their little goo form like moving around. And honestly, it may not be the first time, but it's the first time that we really like focus in on it because we see it like crawling towards a test object. Honestly, it looks really freaking good. Honestly, the creature design for this is not terrible. No. They've somehow found a way to make it look fluid, but also not. It's not like Odo from DS9 fluid. (laughs) It's goo, but it's interesting to look at goo. It has all these little stringy feelers that come out as it's moving around. Like It feels like it's like a whole bunch of balls of like silly string that have been pulled together and pulled apart or something. I'm bad at describing this, but it definitely feels almost like insectile. It cool. It cool. It's nice. And it does not like the homeless person. No, poor Isaac gets immediately crunched. His bones get crunched. By incompatibility with the symbiote, I guess. And then Elon Musk is just, like, said in the next test subject. So, you know, he's a complex villain. (laughs) (laughs) This movie at no point at all asks you to feel sympathy with Elon Musk, and I appreciate that. I mean, it tries to, like, sell you on his motivations a little bit, but they're very flimsy, and I don't think the movie is particularly interested in trying to make this guy seem, like, sympathetic. Yeah, no. no. No, this is not the, well, no villain thinks of themselves as the villain type thing like that. No, like, I think even in interviews, Riz Ahmed was just like, yeah, this guy's a piece of shit." <laughs> so we cut back to Eddie, who is now at this point where he's, like, glancing around behind his shoulder as he walks down the street because he definitely seems to think he's being followed. And he is. And he is. This is just the, the first of many scenes where Eddie is seen talking to himself. And every time Eddie is seen talking to himself, like... The reactions from the people around him are always, like, confused, scared, and suspicious. But this guy lives in San Francisco. <laughs> a dude talking to himself in San Francisco. You just you just don't interact. You don't even look at him funny. You're just like, yep, that happened. And just walk away.
1: Yeah. Basically every city. Like, if somebody's talking to themselves, you just kind of ignore it. Yeah, you're just like, that guy's having a moment.
0: And also, frankly,
1: look at Tom Hardy in this movie. You're
0: telling me that guy doesn't talk to himself? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it would be weirder if he weren't talking to himself.
1: Yeah. I'm going to be real. I talk to myself a lot in public. No one has ever acknowledged me. Not once. I mean, do you talk at full decibel or do you mutter under your breath? Sometimes both. Mm. Depends. At the same time? What am I talking about? Fair enough. Sometimes it's just angry mutters.
0: Anyway, Jenny Slate is following Eddie, I guess. And she's doing a very bad job. He actually points out that she sucks at this. (laughs) It's kind of a funny bit because he's just like, it looks like he's talking to himself. He says like, you know, I'm, I'm good at like following people. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. This is, it's something that I had to get good at, but you suck. And that's the point where he actually leans around the aisle in the convenience store to like make eye contact with the person who is clearly following him. And it's Dr. Skirth. <laughs> and she's like, okay, you're right. I suck. But also Elon Musk sucks. Will you please help me? <laughs> And Eddie is naturally incredibly reluctant to do that. Yeah, he just nopes right out of that. As he says, he lost everything. So yeah, he's not getting any more involved in this. And that's where we sort of end that scene. Then this movie takes a turn for the dark because Eddie goes to the Golden Gate Bridge. No, first. Oh, right. Yeah. Eddie decides first that he is going to go to his ex fiances apartment and look up at it and be sad, and also the cat's in the window, so hi, cat. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, the cat is here, and the cat is acknowledged and mentioned, but I don't know what narrative purpose the cat serves. Are you asking for narrative purpose in Venom? <laughs> it's just, stage animals are very expensive. So I feel like if you're gonna put one in your movie, you really have to work hard to justify it to the director. And I'm wondering what the justification was to the director for this cat to be here. It was expensive to redo that lobster tank. And that was just because Tom Hardy said, I think my character would get into a lobster tank. You don't need to justify the cat once you've already justified the lobster tank. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) I think Annie has a point.
0: All right, fair enough. Moving on. (laughs) So Anne pulls up and she's like, Hello sweaty ex-fiancé, why are you here? Also this is my new boyfriend, Dan Egan from Veep. Only he's not playing a piece of shit this time. This is Dan. He's actually pretty cool. (laughs) Dan (laughs) is possibly the best character in this movie. He's just up for this. He's up for whatever. He's just here to help. He's like really friendly towards Eddie. He's like, oh yeah, I'm a big fan of yours. All the people you took down. And Anne is like, I was one of them. And then he's like, yeah, (laughs) I'm gonna go. Have fun (laughs) catching up. Love you.
1: have fun. Love you. Bye. We do find out that Dan is a surgeon. Side note, Mac going to step in here. Polly, Amory, Venom, Eddie, Annie, Dan. I don't. That's what I'm saying. Honestly, maybe.
0: I cannot in good
1: conscience recommend
0: that either Dan or Ann <laughs> date Eddie. Yeah. I cannot. I can't really either. But I think Venom would be interested and Venom would be interested in like A triad situation with Anne, but also Anne is also dating Dan, but Dan is not dating Eddie and Venom.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm for.
0: That seems like a really monumentally bad idea for all of their mental health, but that's what Venom would like. Yeah. Anyway, Dan is nice. Dan rules.
1: Dan is nice.
0: And immediately Eddie's like, hey, what if we got back together again at some point?
1: And he's like, nah.
0: She's like, honey, no.
1: And that's when Eddie decides to go to
0: the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, and sits there over the railing, which, as I recall, you can't actually walk on those railings. and, Like there's fences there; you can't lean over the railing like that. And very clearly contemplates suicide. <laughs> it's like friggin' George Bailey considering killing himself before an angel talks to him.
1: But the angel in this case
0: is Venom. Venom is the angel. <laughs> wow, I can't even say that sentence and believe it. <laughs> But instead of getting on the other side of the uh, railing, he decides to call Dr. Skirth instead. And she proceeds to sneak him into the Life Foundation. (laughs) By having him lie down in the back seat. There has to be a better way to do that. He doesn't even have a blanket over him. The security guard just does not care. Also, I swear to God, I swear to God, when we cut to this establishing shot of the Life Institute or whatever the f*** at night, I swear to God there is a wolf howl sound effect like (laughs) that one i swear to god it's there there's not even a moon in that shot maybe jameson is alive after all and he is the werewolf (laughs) (laughs) werewolf jameson confirmed for venom (laughs) 2 do it marvel you f***ing cowards do it marvel So they wander down into the labs. Skirth tries to give them this whole spiel about Elon Musk's motivations about overpopulation and climate change and blah, 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 space travel. We don't have time to get in all to the reasons that's wrong. Yep. Can we just reiterate once again that the planet is not overpopulated?
1: Uh, That's just a kind of that's a racist Nazi thing that Nazis actually came up with. It's a capitalist bullshit.
0: That's an eco-fascist thing. The planet is not overpopulated, it's just that the resources are unevenly distributed because
1: capitalism is bullshit. And then Elon Musk and billionaires suck.
0: There are no ethical billionaires,
1: folks. There are none. Global warming is real, though. Please pay attention to that. Thanks. It's not like you can really do much, it's all up to the corporations and they don't fucking care. But just so you know, global warming is real.
0: Climate change science is absolutely real, but most of it is actually due to the actions of a very small amount of billionaire corporations. Yeah. Assholes. Yeah. Car bad, train good. Car bad, train good. Car bad, train good. Build more train. Build way more train. Train go fast, though. Make fast train.
1: And you can read. Oh, that's
0: right. I don't get motion sick on trains. Oh, (laughs) I want more trains. Right, symbiotes run a comet. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Dr. Skirth is doing her best to, like, Explain the premise of the movie to Eddie Brock, and he's mostly not paying attention, which seems weird (laughs) considering. Oh my god, there's at one point where she's like, Aliens, and he's like, ET phone home, aliens, and she's like, Yes! So he actually does an ET phone home thing. Oh god, and again, just like the weirdest line delivery in the entire world. (laughs) It's just, Tom Hardy is operating on a completely other level in this entire film, and I don't know what level that is, and I am afraid to go there. (laughs) So Eddie wanders around the lab looking for clues, he takes a bunch of photos, and also Maria's back. Oh hey, it's Maria. We saw a shot earlier that indicated that she was missing. And now here she is, and she's yelling at Eddie to save her, and Eddie, in an attempt to get that pot open, just presses random buttons on the keypad and sets an alarm off? You dumb motherfucker! Sounds right. And then he eventually like breaks it open with like a chair or something that's nearby. I don't remember what he grabbed. I think it's a fire extinguisher,
1: probably. I can't remember honestly either. What matters is he breaks it, yeah.
0: And then Maria immediately launches herself at him screaming.
1: <laughs> that's when Venom moves from Maria to Eddie.
0: This is the meat cute.
1: Yeah. This is the meat cute.
0: It is worth noting that the blacks, we have not spent any amount of time with the black symbiote up to this point. It has mostly been the yellow and the blue ones. And yet for some reason, it's the black symbiote that makes the jump over to Eddie. And honestly, the blue symbiote and the black symbiote are both like, the blue symbiote is a pretty dark navy and they all have that same like reflective colors on them. So unless you're watching in really good lighting, it's kind of hard to tell which symbiote is supposed to be which aside from the yellow one. Did your version being ultra HD 4K help at all with distinguishing between these symbionts? Are you kidding? Of course not. Everything's dark in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like in a slightly better version of this movie, we would actually spend some time giving the black symbiont some kind of personality before it goes into Eddie. So it is a proper meat cute. But no, instead we have this. We have Goo. So, their alarm's up, their security guys, Eddie escapes on foot into the woods surrounding this institute. But the guards are not on foot. He jumps over a really tall fence, but he doesn't jump quite high enough, so he just ends up Kool-Aid manning through the upper half of it. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, he Kool-Aid mans through a lot of stuff in this sequence. Yeah, like a tree at some point? Meanwhile he's being pursued by some guards in ATVs that do some sick jumps. Like it catches air. Like we do this whole long chase sequence. It's dark. It's at night. This movie is not interested in you seeing anything. No, f*** it. <laughs> But we do end up seeing Eddie escape by climbing up a really tall tree and just sort of hugging <laughs> yep. the top and looking terrified. <laughs> He's not good with heights. It is worth noting that Eddie is moving kind of weird throughout this. So like we the audience know that the symbiote is basically just yanking his body along. And then we get back to Eddie's apartment.
1: And he is inhaling tater tots.
0: (laughs) Frozen tater tots. He's like leaving a voicemail on Skur's phone about how he's totally fine. How are you? Hey, I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. I'm fine. Tater (laughs) torture! Also, I just want to point out that throughout this entire movie, like, Skirth and Eddie are corresponding via Skirth's, like, main, like, I think it's even her work number.
1: Yeah. It might be, yeah. Bad idea.
0: Like, he is just leaving voicemails with her being like, yeah, I broke into the facility and saw the stuff you were talking about on a voicemail box that her boss almost definitely has access to. Wait, that's right, because (laughs) she definitely answers the phone, Dr. Skirth. Yeah. This isn't a personal number. Use a burner, you dumb motherfuckers. (laughs) And also this whole scene where he like breaks into his own apartment and like shoves tater tots down his gullet. Like there's all like this really intense shaky cam going on too because he is not having a great time. And then he eats chicken out of the trash. An old rotisserie chicken. And then throws up like immediately. I have these three notes here. Venom want tater tot. (laughs) Venom want old rotisserie chicken (laughs) Actually I have four notes Venom want barf Venom wants to know about your dental hygiene Eddie (laughs) Eddie barfs, he looks up into the mirror He sees his face go All Venomy, screams And leaps backward into the shower Knocking himself out Our hero ladies and gentlemen (laughs) I think this is also the point where like We hear Venom's voice for the first time Which is always going to be Anytime that Most of the movie, unless Venom is actually manifesting, it is just a voiceover of him just yelling at the screen, Eddie!
1: Yeah, it's like, Eddie! Or in this case, I think it was, Hungry!
0: (laughs) Which are really the two main things that Venom says in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. The two main things that Venom says are Eddie and Hungry. Also, I have a question. The plan is to have this character cross over with other Sony-owned Marvel characters, but the thing is... In this movie, we can hear Venom inside Eddie's head because Eddie is the point-of-view character. In a crossover (laughs) movie where he is not necessarily the point-of-view character, are we just gonna hear him talking to himself all the time?
1: I hope so, yes. I hope so. God, I hope so.
0: Honestly, I think that would make most sense, but I think for the sake of the audience, we'd probably still hear the voiceover. We would just have extra attention to bits where, like, the characters are being like, "What?" (laughs) And then we would probably cut occasionally to other characters watching Eddie talk to himself and, like, exchange looks with each other to remind us that that's happening to everyone else. Well, that's boring. Yes.
1: But also very Marvel.
0: Slash Sony. Mr. Stark. Mr. Stark. MCU Spider-Man is a class traitor, by the way. Aren't they all the important thing is spider-verse is a really good movie
1: i don't mean necessarily spider-man is aren't they all i necessarily mean aren't mcu characters all class traitors?
0: yeah mcu characters are universally class traders but mcu spider-man in particular is a class trader have we considered that we could just be watching spider-verse right now
1: we could be <laughs> watching spider-verse ah what a good film
0: yeah but spider-verse doesn't have a horny goo monster so what's the point
1: that's true how about Spider-Verse Venom?
0: I would actually love it if they briefly cross over into a Venom thing in the next Spider-Verse movie, but like- That'd be hilarious. It's still voiced by Tom Hardy. Yeah. It's specifically this Venom, so he doesn't even really know Spider-Man or have an animosity against him. He's just like, <laughs> who is this child? Yeah. <laughs> I can't be a parent. I'm just, <laughs> I can't handle that kind of responsibility. <laughs> I couldn't even handle having a fiance. And Venom's like, let's drive him to school. i believe venom would be the domestic in that relationship this is our
1: child now eddie
0: we've adopted
1: him eddie (laughs) but he has parents we've adopted him
0: let's keep him around and maybe eat him later (laughs) (laughs) my two dads and they're both the same dad (laughs) venom throughout this entire movie is just like the best shoulder devil yeah (laughs) he is pure chaos (laughs) So we do need to get back into this f***ing plot. Okay, so we cut real quick back to the science lab where they have lost a symbiote and Drake is mad about it. Who cares? Eddie wakes up in his shower looking sweatier and worse than ever.
1: <laughs> Eddie's having a bad f***ing day. Venom says, hungry again. So Eddie gets up and starts looking into that.
0: We cut back to the evil symbiote who after six months of walking has finally made it to an airport and this old lady...
1: yeah and so they go into the bathroom and he comes out as a little girl
0: yeah immediately decides to find the quickest shorthand for american audiences to represent purity and it's a little girl in a polka dot dress with blonde hair what the hell kind of parents take their little girl to the airport dressed like that if you're parents and you're putting your kid on an airplane you're putting your kid in the comfiest goddamn clothes you can find because that kid is going to be miserable for the eight hours it's going to take to get anywhere otherwise hypothetically we're flying from malaysia to san francisco that's a long f-ing flight this is a 12 hour flight at least
1: that's yeah, basically no. the same flight that i took that i watched a guy watch ant-man on repeat how many times it was at least six times and then he switched to turbo literally last movie <laughs>
0: the movie where the snail goes fast
1: yes and i watched him do it the whole time just like why is he watching ant-man again and again i don't know
0: mackenzie i have a question for you Yes. Did you consider calling an air marshal on this person? (laughs)
1: No. He started it again. And I was like, okay, well, maybe he fell asleep during the first one. That's understandable. Then he started it a third time. And I was like, now I'm curious about how many times he's going to do this. Is he going to do it until we get to Seattle? And then he kept doing it. And then literally they announced we'd be landing in about 45 minutes and he switched to turbo. (laughs) Why? I will never see this man again, but he will be forever in my thoughts.
0: Yeah, he lives in your head rent free from now on. (laughs) Yes. Eddie is walking down the street. Venom is now hungry. So Eddie decides to immediately wander into a really fancy restaurant where, oh, Anne and Dan are having a nice lunch. Yeah, we do get a scene of him calling, like, Anne's secretary being like, where is she? They end up in this restaurant, and apparently what happened here is that Tom Hardy saw the set for the restaurant scene and saw that there was a big lobster tank and immediately told the director, I'm going to climb into that lobster tank. And they did not broke any argument no they just got him a bunch of candy lobsters that he could attack and eat while he was in the lobster tank it's worth noting they had to reinforce the lobster tank overnight so he could climb into (laughs) it anyway annie then is subjected to the most mortifying experience of her life which is her ex-fiancee who is sweaty and talking absolute nonsense and grabbing food off of random plates, biting into it, and saying, this is dead. As if that's the most disgusting thing he could think of and throwing it away. Just kind of strolls up to her table. He's like, hi. He is ranting about the scoop that he's gotten from the lab. About the human experimentation, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Anne has no idea what the hell's going on. <laughs> Dan is concerned, but maybe not as concerned as he should be. And then he's like, "Is anyone else hot?" Anybody else? And then he decides to climb into the lobster tank and just kind of have a soak.
1: He's like, "Oh, this feels so good."
0: And meanwhile, the entirety Annie and Dan are both saying, "No, no, don't get into the lo—please don't get into the lo—no, don't, don't do that." <laughs> Please say yes. But he does. <laughs> like the staff
1: is like, "We're gonna call the cops." And 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 Dan's like, "No, no, this is this is my patient. I'm a doctor. This is my patient. Don't worry about it." And you know what? Kudos to you, Dan. Dan's like a really stand-up guy. Dan, you're a saint. (laughs) There's apparently a
0: deleted scene here where Dan actually carries Eddie out of the restaurant. I want that scene. And it's not a bridal carry and it's not a fireman carry. It's like a toddler carry.
1: Dan, I I want this scene. Eddie's
0: just got his legs wrapped around Dan's waist.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I want that scene. Me too,
0: actually. I want more Dan content. Dan's a good guy. He's a good egg. It is noted that as he says, this is my patient, it's fine. That's when Eddie picks up a lobster out of the tank and just goes into it from, I think, the middle. Yeah. Which is, you know, there is some shell there. It's fine. It's fine.
1: Venom don't mind.
0: Venom hungry. Venom wants a lobster. Venom wants to eat the water bug. And then we smash cut to like a calming photograph on the wall as Eddie slowly comes to in an MRI. Yeah, he must have passed out at some point, but he's in an MRI now. And Dan is on the other side at the control room. And he's like, hi, buddy. Everything's fine. <laughs> in that sort of tone of voice that doctors have where they're not sure if you're going to try and stab them. <laughs> We're just going to do an MRI and see what's going on in your weird brain right now. And at some point he says, here we go. And that's when my whole TV crashed. <laughs> I hate that TVs can crash now. I don't know. My TV was just like, I, no, no more of this. I can't. I can't. I can't. <laughs> and then I forced it to watch the movie anyway.
1: <laughs>
0: anyway, Venom doesn't react well to the MRI.
1: Nope.
0: No. He doesn't like it. I forget exactly where, but we do at some point establish between like some random scientists that the thing about symbiotes where they cannot handle really loud noises like at certain, at certain decibels.
1: It's random scientist C in Elon Musk.
0: This is the important thing. Symbiotes don't like sound. That's how Spider Man gets the symbiote off. That scene with random side to C, I think, is also where they imply that the yellow symbiote dies because they talk about how the host is like getting eaten basically by the symbiote they can't figure out why because they keep feeding him liquid nutrition etc cetera, etc cetera. but my favorite part of yeah. that scene is when they turn up the dial and say hey look what sound does to this thing A. how did they find out about that were they just f***ing around to find out and B. when they say it doesn't react to all well, the sounds in this range Elon Musk is like then don't make those sounds <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is amazing Like, I really love that every single computer array in this movie has just a button that makes a really high-pitched noise. Why? It doesn't really matter. No, we just need to have it. The MRI also emits a really high-frequency noise, and Venom does not like that. Don't care for it. No, Dan's like, okay, okay, no MRI. That's fine. That's fine. It's fine. Let's just leave. It's okay. So he walks him out. We go past this lady who stops to talk to the doctor who has a terrible little dog named Gemini. Yeah, we just have to establish the existence of the dog for later. The little terrible dog that barks at Eddie. Also, Gemini, isn't that the twins?
1: Yes. Yeah, that's the twins.
0: Was that on purpose? This movie's not that smart. <laughs> then again, Kelly Marcel. Maybe it is that smart. <laughs> So we come back to the lab, and this is where we actually have the scene where they're like, oh, the symbiote doesn't like sounds. So I guess they just put that in to explain what just happened in the MRI or something. Or something. And that's the point where, like, Elon Musk looks at the lab, and he's like, such terrible designs, human beings. God. (laughs) The fact that Riz Ahmed managed to say any of these lines without bursting out laughing on every take, is he, he's externti- he's astonishingly good. <laughs> like, it's just so cartoon bad guy. I love it. We also have like a brief scene where there's a bunch of thugs in Skurs' office. There's some thugs in this movie that the movie is going to keep trying to tell you are named characters who are important, but they're not. They're just interchangeable thugs. No, they're just dudes to get at. Yeah. Anyway, Eddie is leaving the hospital and he is taking the trolley. The first we hear from Venom again is him screaming hungry because of course. <laughs> and Eddie immediately jumps up and gets stared at some more by, again, these these are people who live in San Francisco. People acting weird on the cable car is just normal there. He's not going to get stared at as much as he does. Eddie gets a phone call that's like, Ann and Dan have his test results. He's got a parasite in him. And then... He proceeds to do a couple of more really weird line reads, including one which is like, Hey, would this parasite make you be able to climb to a really, really tall tree like super, super fast? And the line read on it is just, I don't know what he's going for with this. What is this, Tom Hardy? It's so weird. What is this character that you're doing? It's so weird. And also, this is the part where we start having Venom just be, like, the audience member, like, the backseat conversationalist who is just going to keep chiming in. Like, yes, Eddie, we just did. Dan's like, hey, we should get you some medicine and we can get that parasite out of you. And Venom's like, never gonna happen! (laughs) (laughs) And that's when Eddie just straight up starts talking to Venom. Like, he's not trying to ignore it anymore. He just tells Venom to shut up. He doesn't even know Venom's in there. He's just like, hey, voice in my head, stop talking. Yeah, right now he still thinks Venom is an auditory hallucination. An auditory hallucination that he directly addresses is the thing. And then, of course, Dr. Skirth told the people where Eddie is because she was told, like, hey, Eddie's gonna die if we don't get the symbiote out of him. So let's save his life by telling us where he is. And she's like, yeah, sure. And then they stick a symbiote on her and leave. <laughs> and, then they, and then they send a bunch of the very definitely named characters to Eddie's apartment. We have this weird quick sequence where Eddie's neighbor is doing the loud guitar thing again. Eddie like shouts at his neighbor while doing like his little venom voice. Like his, he does like a little venom face and he's like, turn the music down. I hate sound. The guy's like, yeah, yeah, okay. Which, by the way, is a direct story beat from the frickin' Catwoman movie. That's from Catwoman, guys. (laughs) There are just lots of people who want to write shitty superhero movies where the first thing they do with their newfound powers is tell their neighbors to shut the hell up. That's because these movies are written exclusively by people who live in shitty apartments who want to tell their neighbors to shut the hell up. anyway after that we have venom be like don't open that door and then the knock happens and then the thugs break into eddie's apartment and then venom and eddie start arguing like old married couple yeah eddie puts his hands up and venom puts them down and then Eddie puts them up and then venom puts them down and it's this whole back and forth about how eddie is embarrassing venom (laughs) you're making us look bad eddie (laughs) and meanwhile, the very definitely named characters are just watching all of this. (laughs) And then Venom's like, you know what? You know what? Stop it. You suck. We're just going to fight the guys now. And then they do. (laughs) Venom just like throws Eddie's body around the room to fight thugs is how this whole sequence is choreographed. Yeah. Eddie is very, very clearly being puppeted by this thing. And I do like the body acting in this. Yes. It's very fun. (laughs) It's very fun to see this fight scene where Eddie's just kind of being piloted around. Because Eddie is just, like, as surprised as any of the thugs are about all this. At some point, he's even like, oh my god, I'm so sorry about you. I'm sorry about your friends. He's very apologetic <laughs> while this is happening. He's not having a good time. <laughs> and it's like a video game where more thugs just keep coming in from around the corner, where they have just spawned. <laughs> yeah, Eddie has to get away from the spawn point, so... <laughs> out the window they go. Before they do that? like oh that was great and like he looks at the bodies and he's like now let's bite off all their heads and pile up the bodies in the corner and he's like what what the hell why would we do that and his only reply is pile of bodies pile of heads what yeah this was written by an edgy 14 year old this particular part what why does he just i I don't know i mean somehow it's charming that he just wants to like make two separate piles of a whole bunch of bodies He's like a cat. <laughs> exactly. it's like a cat. Anyway. Out the window they go and then crash into somebody else's window. They are all smoking weed. Some gamer's apartment. <laughs> and they're like, holy shit, how would you do that? And he's like, ah, oh, I got a parasite. And then runs away. <laughs> <laughs> Venom ruins some gamer's nights. And you know what? Hero of the people. Yep. Yeah. And then we have an extremely long chase scene predicated by Venom and Eddie having a conversation where Venom shows up in like Venom mode, like with the face and the big teeth and tongue and everything on a car window reflection. We find out Venom hates being called a parasite. The lovers are arguing with each other. Eddie gets pinned to a wall and then a drone comes and crashes into them, which why would you have a drone that just explodes? That's just a very expensive missile. This is the question I have for the next, like, eight minutes of chase scene. Also, I have a friend who lived in San Francisco for quite a while, and I was watching this movie with him, and he was pointing out he loves this shitty fucking chase scene because if you keep track of the local landmarks they're passing by, they're just going in circles. They're going in circles, and then they teleport across town a couple of times. This chase scene makes no sense. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we pass this marquee with blue neon at least four times. (laughs) It's a mess. It's an absolute mess of a chase scene. They don't even try to hide it. And this chase scene lasts for so long. It's on Eddie's motorcycle, there's cars, there's also several drones. The drones are apparently built to explode. They are built to hit things and explode, which seems really expensive. And also, every time the drones explode, they do so in this massive gush of blue fire for some reason. No appreciable reason. As far as I can tell, this chase scene, they don't even, like, go anywhere, even in the narrative, even if you're ignoring the fact that they're literally circling a block. There's no trying to get to a destination, there's nothing here to move the plot along at all, everything just grinds to a halt for a chase scene, while they go through a checklist of cool Venom stunts we thought of.
1: And the chase scene, as noted, lasts, like, a billion minutes. It's
0: so long. It is very long. It does nothing.
1: It feels like it's 50% of the movie and it does nothing.
0: At some point, he finally escapes, and then he gets hit by the last car. Which is actually kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Eddie spends most of this movie screaming. Like, this movie is not invested at all in making Eddie Brock look cool. So he spends most of it screaming and being confused and being terrified of the things that Venom is doing. And then Venom successfully, like, gets them away from the pursuers. And Eddie's like, actually, I yeah, will we'll bet that's pretty cool. And that's when they get hit by a car. <laughs> And then at that point, Venom fully emerges. He gets up into his big 90s, like, buff guy, alien guy with the huge tongue thing. And we see him for the first time. And his first line is looking at a dude. And he's like, eyes, lungs, pancreas, so many snacks, so little time. Jesus. <laughs> and then he sticks his tongue out like, oh, 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 oh. Jesus. <laughs> he's edgy. This fucking movie. He's edgy. He's edgy, you guys. Anyway, then he just swims under the bridge across the water. Yeah, he bites a dude's head off and swims away. And also, I choose to believe that Venom had perfect situational awareness throughout that entire car chase until the moment Eddie complimented him, and then he fell apart. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, yes, 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 I choose to believe that. This is the, oh, you think I'm pretty scene from like every rom-com starring like a girl who gets a makeover. He's like, oh, no. Oh no, boy. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. What do I do? Oh, Okay. 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 Be cool. Be cool, Venom. Be cool, then. Bam! <laughs> <laughs> so they swim across. They pop up on the other side of the water. Eddie kind of takes a breather while Venom does the thing where he just sort of has his weird little goo face come out from behind Eddie so they can have a little face-to-face chat. And possibly make out later we make out later but right now we have to claim that they're boyfriends because it's like who are you and venom decides to answer i am venom and you are mine yep okay they're boyfriends they're boyfriends they're boyfriends 50 shades of gray screenwriter yep they're boyfriends they're in love they're in love Well, they're not completely in love yet, but Venom is staked his claim. This is his boyfriend. Whether his boyfriend knows it or not yet, that's his boyfriend. The thing about this movie is that it spends like easily half the runtime explaining its own premise, which means the progression of Eddie and Venom's relationship from unwilling host and parasite to their boyfriends now happens absurdly quickly. Like Venom's turnaround from villain to anti-hero happens over the course of like maybe 10 minutes. (laughs) Venom is a very simple symbiote. His entire morality centers around he wants to make out with Eddie and he wants to make Eddie happy and Eddie wants to do good things. So he's like, okay, we'll be an anti-hero now. (laughs) Let's make out. Also, there's a great line read where during the car crash, Eddie's legs were broken and then Venom healed them and swam away. And then when they jump up onto the buoy for them to have their little face to face, the first words out of Eddie's mouth are, my legs, my legs were broken and now they're not broken with again, the (laughs) weirdest line read I've ever heard. I mean, I think he was like also like partially unconscious after his legs broke. And by the way, the camera showed us those legs. They were broken in extremely wrong ways. They were clearly completely shattered. Yeah, they were fed up. But also, what is this character, Tom Hardy? What are you doing? What is this? What's this performance you're doing? It's a great question. Also, Venom negs Eddie. <laughs> he calls him a loser, and the line read there is like, You are a loser, Eddie! Like, he really emphasizes that loser. Yeah. Later we find out Venom might be projecting a little bit. <laughs> Venom also lays out that basically he wants to get on Drake's rocket, and that Eddie has to be along for the ride, and if he behaves, then he survives. N- no, that's that's clearly him masking. He 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 wants to make out with Eddie now. Yeah, this whole do-what-I-say-and-you-just-might-survive thing lasts for, I'm gonna say, 2 minutes and 45 seconds of screen time. <laughs> it's probably about right. This goes away very quickly. Because they have to basically be, like, co-pilots and best friends so fast... It's intensely just like, it's love at first sight. It's that kind of heel turn intensity. Meanwhile, it hasn't taken six months, but the plane has landed in San Francisco, and the little girl who is now Riot walks off with her parents not noticing or caring. (laughs) It would have been so easy to just have some ADR of someone being like, Karen? Karen, sweetie? Where did she go? But no. Nope. No, these are just the worst parents in the entire world. We do a couple of scenes real quick here. Dan calls Anne, says Eddie's lab results are all super duper weird. We go back to the lab where we find out that the symbiote that infected Skirth is dead now. And Riz Ahmed has this line read of like, the arrogance! We cut to outside Eddie's apartment where we find out that the whole thing's a crime scene. And there's a cop like, the apartment building's been evacuated. There's bodies all over the street tonight. And then we cut back to the lovers. <laughs> who are going to Eddie's boss's place so that Eddie can deliver- You know that evidence Eddie got of like, you know, horrible human experiments? Yeah, we've just kind of been sitting on that for a couple of hours. It's just on his phone. It's just photos on his phone. And by the way, the photos never leave his phone. He never even tries to email them to anyone. No, he has to physically deliver his phone to this guy's office. Anne is also trying to call Eddie and get a hold of him. Venom is now interested. Eddie sees a missed call from Anne, and and Venom's like, who's Anne? Your heart rate just went up. (laughs) He's like, none of your business. And he's like, everything of yours is my business, Eddie. He's like, we're in love. (laughs) Who is she? She sounds cute. Let's all hook up. (laughs) (laughs) It's hilarious the extent to which this movie wants Venom to be menacing, but mostly he ends up as, like, a huge busybody. (laughs) It's like be a relationship counselor and it's not really clear exactly what Venom's angle is on this if he just wants like Eddie to have like a nice relationship with a lady or Venom also wants to be in on this weird little polyamory thing I don't know Eddie finally picks up the phone tells Ann not to come near him but she also overhears that he's talking to a security guard so she figures out where he is pretty quick by the way remember that security guard from earlier turns out he works like what 24 hour shifts (laughs) why is he here (laughs) yeah that was the morning when we saw him last but Venom is like let's eat this guy and then Eddie is like no we do not eat people and Venom the huge goober he is is like wait we (laughs) we oh my god I'm in love I'm in love with you Eddie so much he said we he said we oh my god we're a couple he likes me back I did it I did it we're we're a we now I like that Eddie is just like no he is my friend he works three jobs so he can support his family we are not eating him so they get outside and then Venom's like oh you want up do you (laughs) Turns out he can just climb the walls. Yeah, I've played Ultimate Spider-Man. He can do that. (laughs) Venom decides to just skip right over the office and just go straight up to the top of the building. And then he's like, oh, maybe your world's not so ugly after all. It has been two minutes since he said, by the way, I'm going to eat your entire planet. The turnaround here is so f***ing fast. He just saw one skyline at night and then a boy that he likes said, we... And he's like, I'm not evil anymore. (laughs) He's going to get alien goo married to Eddie. And that's what his new goal is. His only real character trait from this point forward is love Eddie. Got to be with Eddie. Got to stay with Eddie at all costs. Venom is this movie's one and only Eddie (laughs) Stan. Nobody else likes him. (laughs) Literally nobody else likes him except maybe Dan. Maybe, maybe Dan. (laughs) Maybe Dan. But Dan's definitely more of like a sidekick kind of affection rather than let's get married and hold hands, but also be the same person. I will say yes, it is a sidekick kind of affection, except that Eddie is the sidekick in that situation. (laughs) Yes, that is true. Venom decides to have his little moment, but then helicopter make Venom sad. <laughs> it's not even like a bad guy helicopter. It's just a random helicopter that's flying weirdly low. It's just a jetliner that flies overhead. Oh, okay. And bad noise. Bad noise made Venom sad. Venom passes out, and then we do this whole dramatic moment where Eddie's sliding down a building, but Venom like wakes up the last second and catches them. It doesn't really matter. They're in love. They're in love. Venom actually says, "I've got us, Eddie." They're in love. <laughs> So they break into the office that we saw earlier in the movie so Eddie can just leave his entire phone. By break into, we mean the venom hurls Eddie through the window. <laughs> Eddie's going to leave his entire phone. He's not even going to take out the photos and put them on a flash drive or something. Nope, whole phone. His whole ass phone. The thing that people need to contact him. Perhaps his ex fiance and his doctor. No, nope, they had to get the phone out of the running, so here it is. <sighs> And then he also just leaves a note for the guy that's like, do the right thing, asshole. No, it's better. It's do the right thing, shithead, and he underlined shithead. <laughs> Which is great because, like, he probably doesn't even have any indication where he is. Like, maybe there's some geotagging on the photos themselves, but he doesn't actually provide any context for these photos. It's been six months since he and this man had a conversation. Does he even know Eddie's phone password? <laughs> Yeah, that phone better not be locked, Eddie. (laughs) So Eddie tries to point out when he and Venom are arguing, because of course they're arguing, they're old lovers, you know, you could just exchange my body for a fresh one and just move on from me. And Venom's like, why would I do that? You're far too good of a match to throw away so soon. Plus, I am starting to like you. Starting. (laughs) Starting. You're in love. You're in love, Venom. It's been 15 minutes and you're completely in love with this guy. (laughs) He has terrible taste, honestly. Look at Tom Hardy in this movie. He's a sweaty disaster. Yeah. Venom's like, that one. Yes, that's the one I want. He even starts in on a, you and I are not so different, which I'm not sure that's true. I would argue that you are probably very different on many different levels. (laughs) One of you is a pile of space goo. One of you is Tom Hardy. Technically, both of you are Tom Hardy. (laughs) Venom is voiced by Tom Hardy. That is true. There's this moment where Eddie's like, okay, I guess we should leave now. They look at the window, and Venom's like, jump, do it, do it, do it! And then we smash cut to Eddie pushing the elevator door. (laughs) And Venom calls him a pussy. Venom, where did you pick up that particular insult? Why are you talking so colloquially? Are you just pulling all this stuff out of Eddie's brain? And it's weird because it's doing, like, the evil growl voice, too. So he's like, pussy! Like, are you asking? Is this, like, hungry? What's happening here? Anyway, there's a fight scene at the bottom of the elevator. Oh, boy. (laughs) This goes on for way too long and adds nothing to the movie. It's just, it's there for all the 14-year-old boys who wanted to see Venom wreck shop. And frankly, there's this part at the end where, like, there's one cop left, and Eddie's like, no, we do not eat policemen, Venom. Yes, you do! You do all the time! Eat the pigs! Eat the pigs.
1: Hey, Cap. Also, at the end of this fight scene is when Anne wanders in. <laughs>
0: Which is really great because Eddie's like, hey, I'm really sick and scared. And Anne
1: is just like, the f is going on. Get in the car. We're going to the hospital. I just saw you eat a guy. And Eddie's like, I don't know if I should get in the car. It's dangerous. And she's like, get in the car. And Venom's like, ooh, I like this.
0: She's just like, hospital now. And it's a very good delivery. <laughs> She's like, you can see that she's doing all this processing and just decides setting all that aside for now. We're not going to deal with this right now. This is a
1: problem for later.
0: Anne is a great character, actually. And Venom is right to decide that he wants to also be her boyfriend. Although I cannot in good conscience recommend that Anne date Eddie or Venom. No, it would be a terrible idea. But Venom thinks it would be a great idea. So we have this exposition scene in the car. Eddie finds a new shirt that's just been thrown in the back of the car it must belong to dan but at some point he has changed out of the worst sweatiest stained hoodie that he has been wearing for like most of this movie he's explaining some symbiote stuff to Anne, and she's like so sound is like his kryptonite and she allowed to say that is she allowed to say that <laughs> this is a marvel movie is she allowed to say that also there's this bit where she's like so you can hear him and eddie's like Always, And he's looking out the window. It's supposed to be like this really angsty moment. But all Venom has said throughout this entire movie is hungry and Eddie. I don't think <laughs> you can play it up as like a I'm being tormented by this demonic presence thing. It's not really an inner demon. It's more like an inner three-year-old. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm not in pain. I'm pretty much just hungry all the time. And Venom's like, also, you're sad, Eddie, because you never apologized to your ex fiance for ruining her life. <laughs> Venom? <laughs> <laughs> Venom relationship counselor literally my note is Venom Cullen relationship coach <laughs> and so Eddie does and Anne's like oh let's not do this <laughs> please no she wants to be anywhere except this car right now Venom decides that it went well though so at the hospital, we find out that Eddie's getting eaten by Venom, like his organs are getting atrophied and kind of slurped up. And Venom's just like, no, it's fine. Listen, it's, it's fine. I can fix it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Listen. Again, Tom Hardy's acting throughout this entire scene is utterly baffling. I've seen him communicate betrayal before <laughs> as an actor. I know he can do it. I don't know what this is. Ideally, what's happening here is that the character is feeling betrayed by someone that he was starting to trust. But what actually happens is, is I don't know what this is. I don't even know what this is. But there's a bit where Venom tries to choke out Dan and he's like, no, don't choke out Dan, he's cool. <laughs> and then Anne, Anne who's a smart character and continues to be the smartest character in this movie for the rest of the movie, turns the MRI on to get Venom out of Eddie. And then when Venom is locked in the MRI room, Eddie is, like, glaring at him through the glasses, like, what happened to we, huh? (laughs) Again, just the weirdest delivery I've ever seen. He is delivering this line like someone who has just uncovered some kind of conspiracy or something. It doesn't sound like emotional betrayal. I I don't, I don't know what this is. Tom Hardy, what are you doing? What is this? So Eddie decides that he should just leave the hospital right now, despite just hearing that all of his organs are shutting down. Yeah, his organs are failing, but it's fine. He can just go home and sleep it off. And like, after he leaves, Dan's like, so do we need to talk? And Anne launches into this whole like, look, it's complicated. I guess he had no one else to turn to, but I promise there's nothing going on between us. And Dan's like, no, no. No, I meant-
1: I meant about the parasite?
0: The sentient goo that just came out of your ex-boyfriend that he's having a lover's tiff with that's over in that room.
1: I don't really care about that whole thing. Don't worry about it, Anne. I mean mean that. And then there's that long pause as Anne looks that way and she goes, it's gone.
0: (laughs) Venom escaped through the vents and now he's in a doggy. Venom went into a Ventum. Venom vented. Very sus. And now he's in a horrible little dog. You know that dog we spent an inordinate about of time introducing earlier? It was the gun, but a dog. If you establish a horrible little dog in the second act, <laughs> the horrible little dog must then get <laughs> possessed by a symbiote by the end of the second act. <laughs> it is, however, not in the dog for very long, unfortunately. No, because we have this scene where Anne is looking for Eddie as the Venom puppy is, and then they meet at the opposite end of a hallway, and Anne (laughs) stares at the dog, and the dog looks menacingly (laughs) at Anne. Meanwhile, Eddie goes to, like, step into the elevator. The elevator opens, it's full of goons, and he gets tased. (laughs) Like, the turn- this movie goes so fast right now. (laughs) Which is incredible. Like, the last half hour of this movie, it goes so fast. I cannot reiterate enough that this movie is two hours long, and now it is going to breakneck speed. It has been doing so little for so long. So we finally get Eddie back in the Life Institute or whatever. In an interrogation room.
1: Yeah, and they're like, where's Venom? He's like, "Mmm." <laughs> <laughs>
0: nah. He gets gut punched in a chair like it's an episode of Rockford Files or something.
1: Elon Musk's like, you are nothing to me!
0: And he's like, humanity is a parasite! You are also a parasite in a way that I'm not going to explain and the movie's not going to reinforce.
1: Anyway, get rid of him! (laughs) This is the
0: scene where we reveal that, like, the little girl got into the Life Foundation and Riot jumped into Elon Musk. So Elon Musk sends his goons out of the room and then starts trying to intimidate Eddie. And unfortunately, earlier, Eddie had said, you know, I spent a significant amount of time with this thing up my ass. (laughs) Therefore, when he sees Riot is inside Elon Musk, he's like, oh my god, he's got one up his ass too. That's what he says! And again, weird line delivery, but also why why the whole up your ass thing? <laughs> At this point, are you just trying to invoke the fact that they're definitely in love? Like <laughs> <laughs> when he says I have this creature up my ass, like there's no way in which you don't just like side-eye the camera there. <laughs> it's gay, folks. They're gay. They're gay and in love. Anyway, then Elon Musk is like, okay, take this guy out to the woods and shoot him. He has no more utility for the plot. And then the movie goes, oh boy, does he? <laughs> They take him out to the woods at night, and he's like, whatever, just kill me, I don't care. And then he decides to keep talking, because the thug who has a name keeps expositing to him while all of the thugs behind him get yoinked by Venom. <laughs> so Eddie's just distracting this guy while all of his goons get just et. <laughs> and it turns out, Venom is here. Venom is, is currently bonded to Anne, and he has built himself a sexy lady body around Anne, not yep. like the enormous, like, huge beefcake that is not like directly grafted onto Tom Hardy's body. This one is a svelte sexy lady with big old shiny boobies. And the best part of it is, she venom bites off the definitely named character's head and then goes, hi, Eddie, grabs Eddie, and immediately kisses him. Eddie has no idea that Anne is in here. As far as he's concerned, Venom is just making out with him. And it is definitely a makeout. There is a lot of making out happening. Probably a lot of tongue. And boy, it's Venom. There's a lot of tongue. There's a lot of tongue as Venom just slithers back inside Eddie's body. So Venom doesn't really have to make himself look like that. No. Did he just... Was he just like... Eddie likes titties. I can have titties. (laughs) Almost definitely. (laughs) I feel like we need to reiterate this once again for the audience. I know we've mentioned it several times up to this point, but Eddie and Venom make out.
1: They make out.
0: Eddie and Venom make out, and that is how Venom chooses to go back into Eddie's body, is by making out with him. The movie later tries to play it off by, you know, having them talk about it. And he's like, oh, what about that kiss? And Anne's like, oh, no, that was your buddy's idea. And it tries to play it off like she's lying and it was her idea. But we all know it was definitely Venom's idea. That was 100% Venom's idea. Venom was like, what if I had boobies and we made out? <laughs> Unless. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Eddie and Venom make out. <laughs> Eddie and Venom make out. <laughs> The symbiote goes back into Eddie and Anne's like, what the hell just happened? Oh no, I bit that guy's head off. Yeah, where did the mass from the head getting bit off go?
1: And Eddie's like, yeah, you get used to it, don't worry.
0: So at this point, Venom decides to remind the audience that there's a plot in this movie. (laughs) We gotta stop that rocket. (laughs) Right, there's a rocket. It's gonna go back to the comet where they found symbiotes to begin with. This is when Venom also with like... 20 minutes left in this movie tells us what the bad guy's name is it's right he has got shit you have never seen (laughs) line from the movie and he like he wants to go get the other symbiotes venom now wants to stop it because venom is now married to eddie yeah venom wants to stop it he likes it here now he likes eddie he's gonna save the earth it's that thing from like i think it's guardians of the galaxy where it's like why would you want to save the universe and he's like because all my stuff is here i'm one of the idiots who lives here Venom is pretty much disinfested in the earth because that's where Eddie is. (laughs) They're in love. This turnaround is so f***ing fast. Anne is like, okay, let me come with you. And Venom's like, no, not today, and runs away, leaves Anne in the middle of the woods. And Eddie's like, no, that was a bad idea. She's actually the most competent person we know. Anne yells after him, that's bullshit!" (laughs) Like, first off, she's in the middle of the woods, may not be completely sure of where she is or how she got there. I do appreciate that this, maybe this was the Kelly Marcellin votes. I appreciate that this movie openly acknowledges the whole, I must leave my lady love behind to protect her thing is complete bullshit, especially when she's more competent than you are. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> we get to the point where we're actually doing plot, the rocket is prepping, at some point they're like, Elon Musk, you can't pilot that craft all alone, and he vamps to the camera, I'm not alone. And then the guy behind him starts looking up the abort protocol. <laughs> <'Cause he's laughs> like, he already acknowledges this is going to go very badly. He's like, are we the baddies? <laughs> I don't know who this guy is. We've never seen him before this moment, but he's very clearly having like a, oh, I cannot allow this to happen moment. <laughs> well, Venom and Eddie are talking about getting to the rocket. Eddie's like, so wait, you were just going to invade the whole planet and just like infest it? And Venom's like, well, yes, but now I have decided to stay. I'm kind of a loser on my planet, but we could be more. We're soulmates. Eddie's like, cut the bullsh**. What really made you change your mind? And then he says, you, you did, Eddie. <laughs> and he definitely says it like sensuously. Yep, yep, yep. They're in love. They are in love. I am sorry. That is just what is happening here. Meanwhile, Elon Musk and Riot basically just fully emerge. They kill a whole bunch of scientists in like mission control. And then we get our one fuck in the movie. This movie's one fuck is, which is allowed as a PG thirteen movie, right? Eddie's like, okay, so what are chances of survival? Venom says pretty much zero, and Eddie says, "Ah, fuck it, let's go save the planet." Tom already has some really strange line deliveries, but his one perfect line delivery in this movie is when we see Riot bust out of the control center and make a run for the rocket, and Eddie goes, "Oh Jesus!" <laughs> That's a perfectly rational response to what he has just seen, and I love it. So there's this big symbiote fight between Riot and Venom. The problem is that Riot has exactly the Venom model, but he's a little more silvery, so it is impossible to tell who is punching whom in most points in this fight. I don't know what's going on throughout this entire fight scene. I do know that Riot gives Venom one chance to get in the fucking rocket, and then he realizes that Venom has gone and fallen in love with a human within the five minutes he's been here. He's like, (laughs) all right, I guess I've got to murder you now. At some point in the fight, there's a point where like Riot like absorbs Venom and then Venom pops back out. And meanwhile, has made it to mission control and pushes the make a loud noise button on the speakers. Yeah, because she's the one smart character in this movie who remembers things that she's told. The fight goes on, both of the symbiotes slip away, and then Eddie and Elon Musk have like a weenie slap fight. Yeah, this is a guy who's been living on one meal a day, mostly tater tots, for approximately six months, and a kale-eating vegan billionaire type. Just the silliest fist fight you've ever seen in your life. (laughs) At some point, he's like, you're too late. This is the next stage of... And then Elon Musk gets dropkick off of a rocket platform. (laughs) There's a point where, like, Riot reabsorbs. Elon Musk, he stabs Eddie who lies dead as Riot climbs into the rocket and then Venom comes back and he slowly embraces Eddie like a lover (laughs) and heals his wounds, takes out the spear, jumps up to the rocket, has some kind of cool guy exchange with Riot as he looks into the window and he's like, I don't know by Riot or something. I think there's supposed to be a cool guy line here, but it doesn't really happen. Elon Musk had said have a nice life to Eddie right before he ruined it, so... That's it? Venom is now saying have a nice life to Riot. It's a callback. It's not a very good one. I had completely forgotten that line. He takes the spear that killed Eddie momentarily and, like, breaks it down the side of the rocket. Some fuel gets into the engines and everything explodes. Venom creates a parachute for Eddie is burned up and he's like goodbye eddie and then eddie plummets into the sea (laughs) and apparently venom's dead (laughs) and venom heroically sacrifices himself for the love of his life or does he or does he (laughs) so we cut later to san francisco ann and eddie are drinking coffee outside her apartment eddie by the way is still just like a fidgety weirdo he remains a fidgety weirdo throughout the entire movie We have some closure with Anne, who's like, I'm joining the public defender's office. Eddie's like, oh, the network wants to bring me back, but I'm going to write now. I've got a cool interview. And he's like, do you want to talk about that kiss that was definitely with you and not with my boyfriend? (laughs) Anne is starting to suspect that Venom is still around. And Eddie's like, no. And then Venom is like, look at her. She has no idea we're going to get her back. Okay, first off, Venom's alive. We're never going to explain how. Nope. Two, Venom, no. Honey, no. And he's like, "Uh, no, we probably shouldn't do that. And he's like, you belong with us, Anne. No, no. So Eddie stumbles away in the weirdest possible fashion. And stumbles directly into Stanley. Who's like, oh, don't give up on her. Either of you. And Venom's like, I'm gonna eat your f***ing dog. (laughs) (laughs) They have their whole ending of Casablanca moment. We have to start, like, actually telling some kind of morality between good people and bad people. And Venom's like, I'm an alien space goo. I don't know what morality is. You just tell me what you like and I'll do anything for you. And then they go into the convenience store. Which is now at night, by the way. That was like an afternoon scene. Now it's night. Now it's night. And they go into the convenience store. And look who's back. It's that guy with the gun. Venom, by the way, wants some tater tots and chocolate for dinner. He does. Eddie actually says the phrase, tickle the pickle, which I hate. (laughs) and then we get that f***ing exchange from the trailer that everyone lost their mind over (laughs) okay 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 so Venom picks up the thug and says you come in here again in fact if you go anywhere in this city preying on innocent people and we will find you and eat both your arms and then both of your legs and then we will eat the face right off of your head do you understand so you will be this armless legless faceless thing won't you rolling down the street Like a turd. In the wind. Oh my god. (laughs) WHAT?! (laughs) (laughs) Who wrote this?! What is this line? Is this part of like some of the reshoots they did before this movie came out? Cause it's in a weird place. The amount of dumb bullshit they shove into Venom's mouth to make him sound like a cool guy is just incredible. Like a turd in the wind?! Oh my god. So this just happens. And then I think he eats the guy's head off. The shop owner's just like, Eddie, what the hell was that? Which is perhaps an understated reaction. She's not screaming or anything. She's just kind of staring at him. Then again, she does live in San Francisco. I feel like somehow she's seen (laughs) murder shit. And he's like, oh, I have a parasite. And then Venom, who is still mad about parasite, calls them out on it. And then he's like, no, it's a term of endearment now because they're married. And then they walk away down the street together, symbolically hand in hand. And there's an end-theme hip-hop beat about Venom. By
1: Eminem. By Eminem, I think. Oh
0: boy. That's by Eminem? My god.
1: Yeah, it's by Eminem.
0: Eminem, a 40-year-old man by the time this movie came out. Making a rap about Venom. They brought Eminem out of mothballs to do a rap about Venom. So, real quick, that's the end of the movie, but there is a mid-credit sequence and a post-credit sequence. Uh, uh. The mid credit sequence, we get to find out about Eddie's cool interview that he has at a prison, and you're like, okay, so he's going to interview like a guy at a prison. It's going to be carnage. It's carnage. Come on. We know it's, it's carnage. absolutely it's carnage. 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 It's, it's going to be carnage. It's carnage. Oh, the, the serial killer's name is Red. Yeah, he's carnage. We know it's carnage. He's written stuff and blood on the walls. Oh, God, it's Woody Harrelson. What has he got on his head?
1: Yeah, and a clown wig.
0: and a Ronald McDonald wig. And he's like, when I get out of here. And I will. There's gonna be carnage. God. Because he becomes carnage. Because he, he fuses with the symbiote and becomes carnage. There's a red There's a red symbiote and he becomes carnage. It's kind of a thing. Venom just gives birth to another symbiote and leaves it in Cletus Cassidy's cell. And then it bonds with Cletus Cassidy and becomes carnage. In fact, when he says there's gonna be carnage, Venom 2, let there be carnage when i get out of here and i will there's gonna be venom 2 there will be carnage that fucking wig and so that's our mid credit sequence the weirdest thing is not that though the wildest thing for me is definitely the post credit scene which is just a couple of sequences stitched together from spider verse an <laughs> animated film <laughs> It's like the second escape theme from The Prowler after Miles goes to his uncle's apartment, and then immediately after that, it's the scene where Miles goes to Peter Parker's grave, and then meets Peter B. Parker, and then accidentally, like, drags him through the city. It just feels like, oh, you just watched Venom, huh? You just spent two hours watching Venom? Did you know you could have just been watching Spider-Verse this whole time? (laughs) This came out shortly before Spider-Verse, like a couple of months. It totally did, but the home release is just, you could have watched Spider-Verse. You could have spent this whole time watching Spider-Verse, an incredible movie. (laughs) They were still trying to sell people on the concept of Spider-Verse, because I'm pretty sure they had no idea whether anyone was going to go see this movie. It's a bit high concept. And it's so good, though. And that's the end of Venom. Wow, this movie, though. This movie, though. This is not a good movie. I very enjoyed it, though. (laughs) Compels me, though. (laughs) This actually does, like, Hugh close to some of the comics. You've read some of the Venom books. I have read some of the Venom books. The Venom books vary wildly in terms of how it presents the relationship between Venom and Eddie, depending on who's writing them at the time. The second most recent writer was like, they're in love and they raise a child together. And the most recent writer is like, they're in a toxic relationship and hate each other. So it veers wildly between them. Well, who's the good writer then? Mike Costa, who did like the good Venom one where they raise a child together. I don't know how you can listen to this entire episode and not agree with us that Venom and Eddie are in love and married. We just told you about the text of the movie. I I just, I, 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 it's just the text. Venom changed his mind because he fell in love with a horrible, sweaty bisexual. (laughs) So I think that brings us to our final facts. Mac, what's
1: your final fact for this movie? Walking on a dream. How can I explain talking to myself. Will I see again? We are always running for the thrill of it. The thrill of it. Always pushing up that hill, searching for the thrill of it. On and on and on, we are calling out and out again, never looking down. I'm just in awe on what's in front of me. Is it real now? Two people become one. I can feel it. Two people become one. I thought I'd never see it. The love you found in me, and now it's changing all the time. Living in the rhythm where the minute's working overtime. What? Walking on a Dream by Empire of the Sun. A great song perfectly describes this movie. I am in awe.
0: (laughs) I am in awe. Folks, if that's not on your venom mix, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Make a fan vid. Agreed. (laughs) Fan vid! What's your final fact? The only way I could have liked this movie more is if it was dumber, gayer, and the end credits song had been This Corrosion by Sisters of Mercy.
1: (laughs) Annie, what's your final fact?
0: My final fact is that you can build a whole movie around the line like a turd in the wind, but you've really got to work for it. You got to earn that. And this movie didn't. No, no, absolutely not. Like a turd in the wind, though. Turd in the wind, though. Turd in the wind. It's evocative. It is. I don't know. It, it's evoking exactly what they want it to evoke, but it's It's evocative. Okay, I think that is going to do it for us today here, folks. We have actually already recorded the next episode after this because we had to record a couple of episodes in advance for a hiatus from recording that we're going to have, but you guys shouldn't notice anything on your end. After this, we are going to essentially do a poetry corner.
1: Yeah. Mac has some opinions. Poetry's good, actually. A lot of people hate it, and you shouldn't. Also, there's a few other things in there, but mostly it's like poetry fights Nazism and fascism.
0: Yeah, it's actually a really fun episode. Mackenzie has a lot of poetry for us. So, you know, follow up this movie with, like, actual thought-provoking literature.
1: It's one of our high-concept episodes. Don't worry about it.
0: Don't worry about it. But you know what? It's all worth it. Gotta put those English degrees to use somehow. (laughs) And it's not just talking about how Venom and Eddie Brock are dating. They are dating, though. They are dating. We cannot stress that enough. Cannot emphasize enough how much they are dating (laughs) So look forward to a poetry episode next time. If you really liked Mackenzie yelling about James Joyce, don't worry. There's some ivory tower stuff that she really hates too. So I think you'll get a lot out of that one too.
1: F*** Ezra Pound.
0: Yeah, f*** Ezra Pound.
1: If I can convince you of nothing else, I will convince you of that. I'm interrupting Annie. I'm just saying if I can convince you of nothing else, I will convince you that Ezra Pound sucks.
0: It's pretty good. I Will Fight You comes out every five weeks. You can find us wherever you download podcasts. If you would like to support us, you can do that with a like, reading, view, subscribe, comment, or whatever, or follow. I think they're doing now. It doesn't matter. Wherever you find our podcast, just do that. It helps us in some way. If you want to support us with money, you can do that at patreon.com slash the gem jam, where you can get early episodes of I Will Fight You, as well as a bunch of stuff from our other shows. All of our shows, you can find out about those at crookedrussiancam.horse or crookedrussiancam.gay. That is our website. It's real good. And you can find out about our other great stuff like Gem Jammer or Date Me Damn It. I'm not going to describe those to you. It's on the freaking website. That's why we put it there. If you want to find us on social media, we are on Twitter at CRC Podcasts. Come talk to me. It's pretty much just me there. If you want to find us on other social media things, we're on Tumblr, but I don't really bother with that. It's a cross post, bot. don't worry about it.
1: However, if you send us messages there, I will reply.
0: Mac does reply to those. We also have a Discord, which I don't think we talk about that often, but you can come talk to us there too.
1: I will mostly just gush about my cleric's elf boyfriend.
0: Mackenzie has a lot of feelings about her Dungeons and Dragons boyfriend.
1: I have a lot of feelings about (laughs) personal.
0: Join us next time when we talk about poetry and earn our English degrees. Yay. (laughs) Until next time, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And we have fought you.
1: Side note, but I've got new neighbors who moved in downstairs, and while they don't make any noise whatsoever, which is the most disturbing thing, because at least all the old neighbors made noise, they do regularly boil cabbage. Oh, no. Oh, yeah.
0: That's a smell to come up through the pipes.
1: Yep. And it just it just kind of spreads all over the first floor, and then Oscar comes down and goes, "Why is it smelled that way?" And I go, "Neighbors." And he goes, "Oh, okay," and leaves. Yay!
0: It's a lot of cabbage.
1: It's so much cabbage.
0: <laughs> we have this weird quick sequence where Eddie's neighbor is doing the lard guitar, loud guitar thing again. Lard guitar. Lard guitar. Lard guitar.